0: Welcome to the Lost Boys, to Found Fathers podcast. I'm Gabe O'Sullivan, and joining me is my co-host, Will Haycock. We are men who have suffered the loss of a child, and through this production, we desire to offer encouragement, strength, and hope to our fellow brothers who have traveled the same journey. Well, uh, man, Will, welcome back. Good to see you again. It's been a couple weeks, and yeah, uh, yeah let's, let's jump right in here.
1: Yeah, it's been a little while. Um, don't remember the date right offhand, but yeah, it's been... Probably about a month since we recorded with Pastor Ashton Emerson. If you haven't listened to that episode 30, I recommend that you go back and do it. Uh, we just had a quick little time to sit down with him. Uh, he's a biblical counselor, and he's been trained, and he's got years of experience as a pastor. So he uh, just kind of walked us through some questions that came to my mind and Gabe's mind, and Hopefully gave you some things to think about and uh, some encouragement as you you deal with with this experience of losing a child. And moving forward now, it's uh, February, what is it now, Gabe, February 12th? Yeah. Um, And uh, so we are going on to episode 31. We are uh, just kicking around some ideas here, where to keep going. And we come on, uh, will I ever be able to laugh or live normally again? and that's just kind of a question I knew that I had when, uh, when Hannah and I lost Gabriel that sometimes it felt like, all right, we were stuck in this forever, and uh, what's it look like going forward a year, two years, five years? Is, is anything ever gonna be normal uh, or the same as it was before? And I guess the quick and easy answer, Gabe, and you can tell me since you're further out, that Hannah and I are is no things aren't ever going to be normal again in the exact same sense that it was before you had a
0: child, and yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I think definitely like now, and after after a few years, like it got easier, mm-hmm. you know. But there's there's always that that part of you now that is like you have that, you know, you have that loss, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's a little bit different, I think for me personally, I've lost a parent, lost grandparents. Um, but you know, it's a different thing, you know, when you are losing a child, um, however, it's very similar, you know, in that you, you still have the, the memories, uh, that you had with that child, whether they be just faint memories of, of in utero, you know, and how sweet that time was when your wife was pregnant, um, and how excited you were, um, we, we had that experience um, as as well, and, and the, when we had a, a um, you know had a miscarriage, or you you might have the experience like we like we had too of where you had children and then they un- unfortunately end up passing away after they were mm. after they were born. So you, you know you have those memories just like you would have the memories of of your being with your with your parent. You know, um, and so I, I think the the good thing is is that it's never it's never the same. Um, because of what you learn from this experience and what you pull out of it. Um, and I think that, you know, we had to, um, just time just kind of allows those wounds to heal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, now like that's something that we're coming up on the 17th year, you Mm -hmm. know, of this situation here real in the next few weeks. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll, We'll mark that, you know, um, by going out to the cemetery and releasing pink balloons like we do every year. Um, and so, you know, in a sense of that's not normal, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to uh, to have to go out and do that. But it's also not bad either, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. so I think that's, that's something that uh, that we can take from this. And mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll be quiet in just a second. I'll throw it back to you. But mm-hmm. one thing that I I thought about in regards to this podcast— and this, these experiences, when we had the opportunity to hear Dabo speak a couple weeks ago um, at, a, at a men's conference, <clears throat> uh, Dabo Sweeney, head coach of Clemson football, and he said something that I thought was really good and I never heard it before. He said that um, difficult times in your life have the opportunity to, um, to define you. And he said, you know, you can. I'm actually gonna look it up right here and see what he said because it was so good. Like, I don't want to totally like mess it up. Um, and let's see if I can find it here. He was talking about how like you have the opportunity to let, um, you know, bad times in your life um, define you from a um, from a standpoint of man. I can't find it. Of like uh, allowing you to like kind of wallow in that for the rest of your life. Mm you know, where that's the only thing that people know you by, you know, as oh you're the guy that lost a kid, you know, you're the guy that lost children or, um, or he was like, you have the opportunity to let that event in your life develop you. And I thought that was really good. Like, you know, it, it's going to be a defining moment for our lives when, when this happens, but it doesn't have to become who we are, right? It can instead become a part of who we are mm-hmm. in that we let the lessons that we learn through this loss develop us into the person that God has intended for us to be. Mm-hmm. And then we take that development and then we we use it you know, for, for His good and for the benefit of others. And uh, man, I just really appreciated him mm-hmm. saying that because he... I don't know if he's written a book or anything yet about his life, but I talked to some people, man, he had a rough coming up. Like he had a really rough childhood and, you know, he could have, again, let that just destroy him as a man. And then he could be, you know, living on Skid Row and and have every reason to be there, you know, but instead he allowed those life events to develop him and to help, you know, forge him into the person he is now. And, And I think that, that's kind of where we are with this situation here and what we're talking about today. Hmm. That's good there. Um, The thing that that
1: you said that stuck out to me the most, I guess, in what we're talking about is how you can be defined by these things or you can just let them refine you. um, And at the same time... You know kind of where I was going is like yeah this isn't normal anymore and you said it's not normal you may not be normal quote-unquote but it's not bad either mm-hmm. and I, I think that's that's exactly where I was going is things won't ever be the same as they were before but mm-hmm. they wouldn't have been if you had a normal healthy child either yeah, and great so um, you go from like your normal is just you and your wife things are good you know, whatever your marriage experience was, maybe you were longing for a child and you were having some angst there, or maybe you were just enjoying being together, but your your plan was to have a child, you went through whatever whatever it took to have a child and now you've lost that child and you're adjusting to all these plans and expectations and hopes and dreams and the relationship that you have with that child feels like it's gone and you're trying to figure out what that means. You're, you know, anytime you have a change in your lives you know, whether you move to a new house or a new job or a new city there's gonna be some change and quote unquote normal is not what it used to be because you're adjusting and when you have something you mentioned as well is where I was gonna go if you've lost a parent or if you've lost a sibling or if you've lost a grandparent that you were especially close to then you may have some experience with grief but I know for me, I've lost two grandparents, one when I was a baby and another when I was like 10. So even at 10, 11, I probably didn't really process that too well. So losing our son was the first time that we really, we lost obviously a child, but someone that close to us and whatever normal meant before, we were the furthest thing from it at that point. And at the time, I probably did think I know I did think that it wasn't normal and it was bad that it was it was terrible and how could anything good come out of this but everything we've talked about up to this point in the podcast is proof that the Lord used that terrible situation and turned it around and gave us a new perspective like you said gave us a chance to walk through those trials and to be refined and at this point we're in a place where we're able to give back and encourage other men and build these relationships. And that's something that we would never have been able to do if my wife and I hadn't lost our son. And so I think that's a, an important thing to hold on to. Like like we've said several times on this podcast, just just because you've been through this experience doesn't mean you have to go on and start a podcast and do the exact same things that Gabe and I are doing. But keep in mind that just because something is not normal, it's not bad, just like you said, Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, talked about how it's not normal. And I guess the biggest, most obvious way that it's not normal is that you're a father now. And you know, if this is your, if you've had multiple children before, then you already were a father. But you're a father to this child for the first time. And you'll always, especially if you're, if you're like me, you'll always find yourself thinking about that child, the dreams you had for them, the plans you had. How that was going to change your family dynamic, and you know everything, your your plans, the way you worked, uh, your job, and, and how hard you worked, your motivations for working, you know, not just taking care of you and your wife, but taking care of an entire family, and the the plans that you make. I know I'm a I'm a daydreamer, Gabe. I don't know if you are, you know, but too much. Man. Uh, too yeah, much. <laughs> but uh, just sitting around. I know the whole time my wife was pregnant. I just dreamed we were, we were gonna have Gabriel, our son, and so I was thinking, you know, firstborn son, you know, this is gonna be great, I'm gonna teach him this, you know, whatever, he'll be a baby, and then I kinda of skipped to like the toddler phase when like they could, in my mind, you know, I was like, he's gonna be able to talk, he's gonna be able to walk, and I'm gonna teach him stuff, I'm gonna give him a little hammer, and we're gonna go outside, and I'm gonna show him how to build things, and, and all of that. And when we found out that he wasn't with us anymore, all of that hoping and dreaming and planning was shattered and I didn't really know like how do I how do we keep going from here and you know when your plans are, are ruined, I guess it, at work, I know uh, I'm a project manager I'm in the project management team for a, a general contractor so at work, if something doesn't work out right if we're trying to build this room, Gabe and uh, we build the four walls, and somebody accidentally puts your door over there instead of over here. And we can decide to like live with it and just go, or we can be like, oh, let's just tear up those plans and start over and put the door where it's supposed to be. But you can't just tear up plans and start over, and the old, the bad, quote, wrong thing of losing your child just goes away. That's something you're going to have to deal with, and you, you can't just rip it off like it's a Band-Aid and and everything is okay it's like that wound is still going to be there you're still going to have to learn to deal with that and handle that and I know something that uh that Ashton mentioned to us last time and that we've talked about on this podcast is that healing isn't a linear process and I know that's one of the more encouraging things that I heard when when my wife and I had first lost Gabriel was that You know, a week out, you're not necessarily going to be here. A month out, you're not necessarily going to be here. You know, a year out, you're not going to be at this point in the grieving process. And it's, you might, might take you a month to be able to get back to, quote, normal life and working your job and spending time with friends. Or it might take you three years to be able to get back to the point where you can just, like we said, you know, the title here, like just go hang out with friends and live normally and laugh. And there's not, there's certainly bad habits and ruts you can fall into but for the most part your healing process isn't going to be the same as anyone else's and going through the loss of a child is something that's going to change you and the way that you and your wife process everything and it takes some time to heal so I guess don't rush yourself and uh, get to the point where you feel like you're not where you should be and you try to force yourself through some of these things that you need to take the time to deal
0: with and yeah and you know, I'd what, also like to to add in that you know you're, you'll 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 have ebbs and flows and don't mm-hmm. and don't beat yourself up for that you know like one week you might be good and you're like okay cool I'm moving through this and you know we're we're making good progress here and then another week it's like I'll, I would call it the uh I don't know like um It was it was like a wave would kind of come Mm -hmm. over you of of like grief, you know, and this sadness and you know whatever and and that's okay, like that's gonna happen. And again, like you like Will said, it's not linear, right? So there's Mm -hmm. gonna be a little bit of a roundabout, so to speak, Uh, and and that's okay. But you know, Mm -hmm. ideally, you should be moving moving up, you know, Mm -hmm. and not allowing yourself to you know kind of stay stuck where you are, and that might take. That would take a lot of things that we talked about. You know, that'll take that'll take uh, talking with your wife. That'll take maybe talking to a, a good friend. That'll might maybe tell, take counsel. counseling. Maybe that takes reading. Maybe it just takes prayer, reading the Bible, time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the things that we talked about in the in the past. And so, uh, just remember that um, you are going to be different forever. And mm-hmm. but that's that's not necessarily a bad thing because God can use these these tough times to define you and to make you into who you are. Uh, and that's that's why you went through this, you know. So just remember that, and, and um, that you know, miners don't mine perfectly cut diamonds. They they mine big old chunks of rock, and they have to go and get that rock away from the diamond, you know. And that's what God's doing with you too in this right. situation is He's He's refining you into the person that He wants you to be, and, mm-hmm. and so although it's not easy, it's not pleasant, it's not something we would wish for or ask for, just realize like what's happened has happened, and now what you're going to do with it is what's going to make the difference. Mm-hmm.
1: I know um, there's something, I don't know if this is something that you and your wife dealt with, Gabe, but um, I know one thing that I guess you could say delayed or just was an obstacle in our path to getting back to just being able to live without this cloud hanging over us uh, was guilt. And I know it was the story of of our son and and what happened was we had an appointment on Thursday and everything was fine, like heartbeat was great, Uh, placement, like position was great, Uh, my wife was doing fine, like everything was totally good. And then Friday night, my wife didn't feel him moving, like she did all day during the day Friday and then Friday night she couldn't feel him moving saturday morning she still couldn't feel him moving thought maybe she did sometime during the the morning hours and just allowed herself to stop stressing about it and to just be comforted by that movement she thought she felt but then by saturday evening she was freaking out that she still hadn't felt him move and we went to the hospital and we found out that he was gone and so she felt a lot of guilt for a long time maybe she still feels a little bit i hope not um that if she had said something before, you know, if she had said something Friday night instead of Saturday night, that maybe she could have, we could have gone to the hospital and we could have had him delivered and everything would have been fine, he'd be here with us. And I felt, I didn't know anything about it, she didn't tell me until Saturday night that she hadn't felt him move Friday. So I guess I felt guilt that I didn't ask her, that I wasn't present enough or aware to pick up on her being freaked out Friday night. Um, and there's this, I guess that's a somewhat rational guilt, but there's the irrational guilt of like, why didn't we just go ahead and deliver on Thursday? You know, like, why don't we just say, let's just go to the hospital and deliver. And that wasn't, it's not a rational uh, guilt because that was never the plan. Our, our midwife even told us, you know, looking back at it, if we had just showed up at the hospital and we were like, "Hey, we want to deliver this child, and this is our first. Everything's perfectly fine. We just had an appointment today, and we're 39 and a half weeks," said so most doctors would have been like, "Your wife's not in labor. Everything's fine. We're not going to waste time and money and possibly causing a problem to your wife by inducing her." So that's a our midwife's telling us that's an irrational thing to feel guilty about. But I know that it's real easy for guilt to seep in and and the devil to tempt you to guilt and to despair. So I don't know if that's something that you and your wife dealt with in any facet of losing your your children. But I know that's something that that we had to get through.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, dude. And I I mean, absolutely. And I mean, I think for years, you know, I Mm -hmm. dealt with that and I'll be remiss if i was saying that uh, that's still not in the back of my mind mm-hmm. you know because um you know we ryan and i went out to dinner one night it was a thursday night and she was like oh, i don't feel you know quite right at dinner she was mm-hmm. like i just feel like i got a lot of kind of this pressure you know i just feel She was like i just feel different and she was like but i'm sure i'm okay i just had to go to target today and like pick up a couple things and that was hard for her at this time because she was carrying three babies. And so Mm -hmm. she was like, she was 45 weeks pregnant, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but she wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. she was whatever, 20 something weeks pregnant. And um, Mm -hmm. so, uh, but I didn't, man, you know, yeah. We just like kind of dismissed it as like, oh, she's just tired, Mm -hmm. you know. And then the next morning, you know, um, she goes to the doctor and they're like, yeah, you're in preterm labor. And Mm -hmm. then the the whole thing starts. And so Mm -hmm. I felt incredibly guilty about not taking those that as a warning sign like mm-hmm. hey we should just go to the hospital right now and get you mm-hmm. checked out you know because because then i'm like well maybe they would have started her on in the bed rest right there the, mm-hmm. the the hospital bed rest she was already on bed rest at home you know right then and, and shoot man it goes even further back than that i mean mm-hmm. i felt guilty for for you know for us uh going to the fertility doctor, you mm-hmm. know, and not mm-hmm. just letting it play out, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the, the pregnancy situation, cause we were having a hard time, you know, getting pregnant and, and I'm like, man, why did we do that? Why did we take those, that medicine, you know, like mm-hmm. we shouldn't have done that. And then if we wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't have had these girls It ended up dying and my wife wouldn't have had to go through this. And so. I mean, yeah. This whole, you know, you can find anything to be guilty about. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, you really can in this situation. And I think that's a part, as as Ashton kind of mentioned, that you know, uh, I guess cultural psychology or whatever will will say there's these seven, you know, stages of guilt. I mean, of grief mm-hmm. rather. And I think guilt is one of those stages, mm-hmm. you know, that we go through that we yeah. have to work through. And mm-hmm. just like man, you you lose anybody kind of mm-hmm. tragically. Mm-hmm. You know, my little brother passed, um, he took his life, uh, primarily due to drugs and some bad decisions he made in regards to that, um, that ended up costing him his life. He uh, you know, I'm like, Man, you know, that mm-hmm. day, uh, I didn't call him that day. Right. You know, and I'm like, Man, why like why didn't I why didn't I call him? If I would have just called him, maybe he wouldn't have, mm-hmm. you know, done it. and so you, you can or then you can take it further back than that. You know, mm-hmm. why didn't I Yeah play basketball with him more as a kid and you know so that he wouldn't be hanging out with those drug addicts you know and all this stuff so again guilt can be a slippery slope that you got to make sure that you don't go down Mm -hmm. you know when you start to feel those guilty feelings realize that in a situation like this that is not of the lord the lord's not trying to put you on a guilt trip he don't Mm -hmm. do that like yes if there's sin in your life he wants you to be convicted of and repent of it but for something like this that you just really could not control, and there's nothing you could do to change it, mm-hmm. and there's nothing you're gonna do in the future to r- rectify a situation that you might be in, then man, you gotta you gotta realize, hey, this was out of my control. Mm-hmm. This is the way it was supposed to be, and now we gotta roll with it. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna look yeah. this up um, because it kind of goes right around with what we're what we're talking about right here, and this is one of the one of my favorite quotes of all time. And so I have it on the notes on my mm. phone. And this kind of talks about what we were just saying. This is from the movie called Collateral with mm. Tom Hanks mm. and with sorry, not Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, mm. different Tom, uh, and Jamie Foxx. So uh set that up. Tom Cruise is a hitman and he hires Jamie Foxx to be his driver all night in a taxi cab. And Jamie Foxx does not know what's going on. He just says, hey, i just got to gotta run around town for a few hours, take care of some business, and I want you to take me back to the airport. So really quickly into the situation or into the evening, um, Tom Cruise's character ends up killing a guy that ends up falling off a balcony and landing on the taxi cab mm-hmm. that uh, Jamie Foxx is driving. Mm-hmm. And so now uh, Jamie Foxx looks up and sees Tom Cruise looking over the balcony, and the guy on his um uh, on his the hood of his car with the bullet wounds, you know, into to his chest. And so now he realizes he's into some some mm-hmm. stuff right here. So Tom Cruise runs downstairs, hops in the back of the cab, and then he says, Well, we're into plan B. You still breathing? Now we gotta make the best of it. Improvise, adapt to the environment. Darwin, stuff happens. I Ching. Whatever, man. We gotta roll with it. Mm-hmm. And uh That's the situation that you're in right now. (laughs) Like you're into plan B Mm -hmm. and you got to just, you got to let the past go Mm -hmm. because what you knew as normal is no longer normal. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, what do we do to adapt to this situation and how do we, you know, make it work? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, everything you just said there that I guess guilt is a normal part of the grieving process. And maybe in my, like we've said several times, we're not professionals. And this is just all our our thoughts and our feelings about it. But I guess it makes sense that you're trying to make sense of what happened. And finding someone to blame is, at least in my mind, like the first part of like, all right, so how do I feel about this? How do I handle it, process it, file it away? I want to know why happened, it happen? You know, who's at fault? And when you have, like you said, a tragic situation, you can look at that and be like well it's just some crazy coincidence that you know it was chaos yeah. <clears throat> or it was an act of god or somebody was at fault and for me it was really easy to be like well somebody was at fault i don't really know who was at fault maybe it was me and then like you say you know when that thought first enters your mind you just go down that spiral of guilt and we had the same same feelings of like okay we went to a fertility clinic is god we know rationally he's not. Like, is God punishing us for not right. following his sure. plan yeah. and for being impatient and doing it on our own? Not that, too. And, you know, all these things that we know God doesn't work that way. Like you said, you know, God certainly convicts you of your sin. And if there's a sin problem in your life, he wants you to feel bad about it so that you turn around and come to him. He doesn't just lay a guilt trip on you so that you feel bad and you get into a deep depression and you run from him. So if you're... You're feeling that guilt. You're feeling led towards depression. You're feeling led towards hopelessness. No, that's not God. God's a God of hope and a God of encouragement. And yes, a God of truth and holiness. And he wants you to do the right thing and feel the right thing about him. But he's not gonna take negative actions towards you
0: in the sense that he's just gonna lay that guilt trip on you. So and, and, and I think yeah. I was just I'm going to jump down a little bit in an yeah. outline because I think that what we've just talked about just just segues perfectly into that Romans 828 mm-hmm. through 32 and it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that might he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And so mm-hmm. the things to, to, to pull from are really probably the 28 and then the 32 there that <clears throat> that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called to his purpose. And as he said, how will he not also give with him graciously give us all things? And Mm so, you know, certainly there's some qualifying statements there in that for those who love God, that's Mm -hmm. what he's talking about Mm -hmm. here. You know, like God, if you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with him, if you have given your life over to him through repentance and through uh, calling him as your Lord and Savior, and you love him then you can be guaranteed that he has your best interest at heart and mm-hmm. whatever you go through in life is is going to be only be for your benefit and for mm-hmm. your good. Just like as a parent now, like I, it, it breaks my heart to have to punish my children. Mm-hmm. Like I do not like it at all, mm-hmm. but it's for their good mm-hmm. because I can't let my boys, for instance, grow up thinking that it's okay to yell and scream at mm-hmm. their mother Or any other authority figure um, that there's there's other ways to handle your your fear anxiety Mm -hmm. frustration you know whatever the case may be versus yelling screaming kicking throwing shoes whatever the case they whatever Mm -hmm. they may do and so I have to do something to them like punish them that I don't like or enjoy but is for their good and for Mm -hmm. their benefit Um, and so Mm -hmm. I think we have to hold on to that during these difficult times
1: yeah, I mean, we've talked several times about how I mean, we had a whole, whole uh, series about how our lives aren't wasted, and our children's lives aren't wasted, and this verse, which I'm sure we used in that <clears throat> as well. Yeah. But this promise from God that all things for those who are called according to His purpose, that all things work together for good, and then just like you said there, the the end verse. 31 and 32, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And it's like it said in 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And we know as believers, the devil is against us. And he's the one that is the father of lies and the father of guilt and the one who pushes for and wants depression. He wants you to be isolated and separated from family and from your church from your church family and from God. And he wants to just drive those wedges of doubt in between you and anyone that you care about and make you turn from God because of this guilt that he's created in your mind. And God promises that instead of leaving you in that place of that spiral down into the the pit of despair, he's going to pull you out of it and that he's really already pulled you out of it and already given you that lifeline of trusting him and knowing the hope that he has and the hope that he offers and the work that he's already done to send his son to die on a cross for you and to pay for all of the things that you should feel guilty for, the things that you've actually done wrong, not the perceived guilt or the, the, inappropriate guilt that you feel because of some tragedy that happened and that means that we can come to, come to him excuse me and learn to trust God with our suffering and like we've said before, God may have used your child to bring you closer to him, someone else, you know, your spouse, maybe to strengthen your marriage to teach you more about God and his character and, and what he can do for you and what he's already done for you. Or to prepare you and your wife to honor him by comforting other people going through the same experience. And I think a good place to, to leave this episode, Gabe, is just if you are learning to trust God with your suffering, then you might be in a new normal, but that new normal is better than where you were before. Mm, that's good, man.
0: And, <clears throat> and on the next episode, we're going to pick this thought process right back up and get into some probably more even encouraging um, topics here as we as we talk about how do I move back to it towards a more normal life and, and so we're going to give you some great practical points on that so make sure that you check it out so thank y'all for joining us today and please make sure that you follow Lost Boys, The Found Fathers on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and also you can check out my book on um, on Amazon it's called Thou Will Be Done you can put a question mark it into that and my name is Gabriel O'Sullivan thank y'all so much for joining us today Let's not be lost, let's be found in